might end up being a pretty short one. <laughs> I like how the the uh, the liner notes when you look for the lyrics it says instrumental. It's like this page is intentionally left blank. Lyrics. Why are you here? Today on From A to Z, brilliant adventure. Welcome to From A to Z, it's the podcast in which we listen to every single David Bowie song in alphabetical order. My name is Thomas. My name is Travis. And today we're talking about Brilliant Adventure from the album Hours, which came out in 19... September of 1999. Oh, September of 99. I remember you fondishly. Any, <laughs> any, any particularly uh, fondly memories of September 9th? <laughs> September 9th, so I was a junior in high school. My vivid memories of September of 99 are my, my high school girlfriend actually broke up with me to go out with one of my friends in September of 99. It was an angsty period. Classic. Classic, indeed. Um, if only I had this uh, lovely David Bowie album to listen to. Channeled my anger better. This is a good album for, like, it's a much more adult album. It's, it is. It's a very, like, kind of an old person album. It is. Like, so when I, I, I hadn't really listened to it until, like, last week. And it does kind of start off kind of, it, it does remind me of like when aging classic rockers enter into like a adult contemporary phase. Does it start with Thursday's Child? Yeah. I remember the first time I heard that out, that song on the radio when it came out, I was driving to school, heard it on the radio, and it just sounded so, it sounded like, it sounded like a Seal song, you know? Yeah. It just sounded like really adult contemporary. And like, when they came on... I don't know when I found out it was a David Bowie song. I must have recognized his voice, but at some point, someone said, and that was David Bowie. And I'm like, that was David Bowie? That was Ziggy Stardust? That was Jareth the Goblin King? No, come on. Yeah. We'll get to Thursday's Child eventually. Yeah. But so this is the first song we're talking about from this album, and yeah, it's... It grew on me the more I listened to it, though. Yeah, like, even the songs that are... Yeah. The album in general. And even the kind of more, like, adult contemporary songs, like... I found elements in them that I enjoyed. Like, they did... It was contemporary, like, old people contemporary music, but with enough of that, like, edge to it that it feels like you're not going completely boring. Yeah. It was like wearing a polo shirt, sensible slacks, and Doc Martens. Mm-hmm. Like, it was just edgy enough to kind of make you feel like you're still kind of in your home. Because, like, the latter half of the album I actually gets exactly pretty... That's exactly So, to clap this <laughs> Doc Martens and some sensible slacks. Yeah. Um, nice, uh, Mr. Rogers sweater. Yeah, yeah. And don't get me wrong. I got I came around on this album a couple of years later, but teenage me got into it because it had that song from Stigmata on it, and and then the sort of more adult contemporary things sort of. I don't know. I, I came around. Yeah, an eighteen year old me would have hated this album. I'm listening to it in my thirties, I definitely. Like, as the album went on, I, I liked it more and more. It does pick up. The second half of the album is a little bit more energetic. Mm-hmm. But it grew on me. I could definitely see. This This, this would definitely have some places in my in my life. Most of it grew on me. There's one song that kind of sticks out in this on this album that just doesn't really feel like it is... It sounds like it's from the wrong place. And it just does It comes in suddenly, it goes away, and then the, it seems like the album proper... Resumes again. Yeah, I think it's, it's like a commercial break within the album. Like, where did this come from? Um, 
um, and it's this one. It's brilliant. Oh, I didn't know where I thought you were going to go in the opposite direction, <laughs> where like it just suddenly gets really, really heavy. Oh, with, with uh, uh, pretty things are going to hell. Yeah, the Stigmata song. Yeah. No, but you're right. This song does kind of stick. It's, it's like the though. opposite. It's like the anti yeah. "Pretty Things Are Going to Hell." Like if this song was on the like the early half of this album, it would feel more cohesive. But this is like right when the songs are starting to pick up and it's getting a little bit of like a heavier edge. But it, like this album kind of starts leaning towards heathen a little bit towards the end with the sort of decay, the slowing down. Yeah, it kind of like eases into more of like an alternative rock. But yeah, and there's this one song in the middle of yeah. that build yeah and you're just kind of like wait a minute did this turn and, and am i listening to heroes right now what happened yeah it's like one of the songs from heroes jumped through time as bowie and his songs are known to do jumped through time and landed on this album yeah it's like he sent this song forward in time take it taped itself over another song that was supposed to be there and then the album starts up again where it left off. Yeah. You're right, it's like a build and then plop down, slow, sparse, instrumental, and then it resumes the build again. Yeah, it's an odd structure. Yeah. But it's a Bowie thing to do. Bowie is it. <laughs> <laughs> um, a lot of the songs on this album, which we can talk about the album a little bit, um, there's a lot of the songs on this album started as songs from a video game. Bowie was working on, Bowie and Reeves were working on the soundtrack to the video game Omicron, The Nomad's Soul. A few of those songs wound up on ours. Some of them wound up as B-sides. So they were in, they were in this song. They were in this game. And there were other instrumental songs. There's a lot of instrumental music on, on the soundtrack of that game. And this one was, I think it was supposed to be, kind of an ambient, incidental piece of music that was supposed to show up at some point. It's not, it sounds kind of like a menu screen or like... It does. Know, That's feeling. what I was like. When I was listening to it, I was thinking, because you know how it like, it stops sort of and then picks back up again? Yeah. It do, It sounds like if you fell asleep watching a DVD in the menu screen, it's just going and going. You know, I think this song was used as one of the menu... <laughs> as one of the menus on... The uh, Best of Bowie DVD. Well then, mission accomplished, David Bowie. You wrote the perfect DVD menu song. And that's exactly what this is. <laughs> maybe, that's what, maybe that's what he was trying to call <laughs> They were working the on the Best of Bowie DVD, and they needed some menu music that came up with this, and then they decided to release it on uh, an album. So this song is kind of Japanese-influenced. It's got, a, what is it called, a koto? The, the instrument? Japanese string instrument. It's got a very particular sound to it, very plucky. Yeah. Um, it's either that or it's an, it's a synthesizer simulating that because there's no there's no Koto credits. No, there's not. But co-written by Bowie and Gabrels, Koto and kind of ambient synthesizers and a, oh a flute kind of playing this ethereal melody repeats a couple of times, starts on a third time but then slows down. What other, what other, what are some other um, ambient instrumental songs that just come out of nowhere in the middle of an album? <clears throat> I can think of one on the Nine Inch Nails album, The Downward Spiral. There's the uh, song, The Warm Place. Things are really chaotic, and, and this one comes in, it's very soft and slow. But this is a thing people do. This is a thing yeah. that artists and bands will do, right? Just Occasionally. I'm trying to think of, I guess, uh... 
Maybe. flying from magical mystery stories. Exactly that right. kind of yeah. counts. Like, and then it's, it's like it's not whole, slow, but it's instrumental. Yeah, it's weird. There's like some bones to place. it, but it seems out of place and it's so goofy. It is. Um, I like it. It's a good little like palate cleanser. Yeah. Um, Beatles, Bowie, Beck, the three bees. The big bees. Um, that's probably a Beck song. Doesn't. It? I mean, he's got those weird ambient like electronic tracks. He was six on the end of albums of like computer noise. Yeah. And listener, if you think of any, let us know. Um, I'd be interested to know, like, who, who else does this kind of thing? I'm sure there are others. I'd, um, yeah, I'd like to know some more. Um, so, how you doing? How was your day? <laughs> well, it was, uh, it was pretty unexciting. Yeah? Uh, we got a few minutes to kill. Yeah. Um, so, uh, there's some more to talk about with this album. We already covered off. I, uh... The album art's pretty cool. Yeah, I like the lenticular Yeah. Artwork. So it was, the physical release was October 4th of 1999. So I guess when it says release on here, it's September of 99. That's the, the download release. This was the first time that you could get an album to download a couple weeks before it even came out on physical CD. Um, once upon a time, that was a novel thing. Oh yeah, it was unheard of. Totally unheard of. And this was this kind of because music on music on the internet wasn't real music. Yeah, you downloaded it for free. Yeah. So and uh, so around it was what summer '99, probably when Napster was really starting to establish itself, and it was becoming an issue where out bands would put together an album, only to have it leak on Napster or some other file sharing ahead of its release. And David Bowie was the first person, kind of I guess, semi either embrace the culture or just try to get one step ahead of the culture and just release the whole thing on the internet. And I'm sure there was people that were like, well, releasing an entire album on the internet. That's silly. Yeah, it's yeah. a fad. Yeah, right, because there was mp3.com, which I remember fondly. You could download music from artists, they would put their own music up on mp3.com, and it was mostly garbage. Because if it's free, why would you spend any money, any effort, creating like, really high production value art if you're just going to give it away? Right. Um, but Bowie had this whole website set up, BowieNet. He had his own ISP going. He had a uh, bulletin board or forum system where he would actually, in chat rooms, so he would come in and he would talk and interact with people on a regular basis. And uh, so it was like an interactive presence. Um, Bowie was right there with you. It's like a personal kind of thing. Yeah, it really, it, it's, it really laid the course for how people consume music and artists. Now, you know, every band musician is on Twitter. But yeah, Bowie was one of the first ones to kind of get in there and embrace the internet. We joke about Bowie inventing all kinds of things, but Bowie legitimately invented the personal kind of interaction between fan and artist. It's a really, it's it's an odd album to have that distinction because it really, it's not a very modern feeling album. It's and for there's it a lot be, of throwback to it. Yeah, and for it to be kind of this trailblazer in modern music releasing is kind of ironic. Um, all right, I think we've we've dragged out all we can from from this one. We've uh, let it dry. It's so much get a lot out of it. I mean, it's not a it's not a trash song. No, I mean it's it's good. It's nothing spectacular. It's uh, I don't I don't want to bash it, but I wouldn't say it's either adventure or particularly brilliant. It's just a pretty basic instrumental. I uh, 
Is it weird that it made me kind of nostalgic for when I used to, so I can't really fall asleep. Like, I can't on purpose go to sleep with the TV on anymore. But like I used to be able to do that, so it was like sometimes I'd put on a DVD before I go to bed. And it made me oddly nostalgic for when I used to do that. I'd like wake up at three in the morning to looping menu music and then like just turn it off and roll over and go back to sleep. It made me like oddly nostalgic for those times. Hmm. Um, that said, I will, you know, I'm going to give it two and a half DVD menu loops. <laughs> I, I'm going to go even lower. I, it's, I mean, I would ne- I never really jumped for this song. It's not, it's not what I reach for. I can't give it any higher than a one. One DVD menu loop. Well, that's interactive. Yeah. Listener, if you want to join in the discussion, if you think we're just completely off base with our assessments of Brilliant Adventure, get in touch with us. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter. Let us know what you think. Leave a comment on the uh, page for this episode at fromadaziggy.com. Email us at podcast at fromadaziggy. And most importantly, listener, if you want to support this show, we don't ask for money. We don't ask for fame. <laughs> we well, we do ask. You, we want to be internet famous, and so the, the only way to do that, listener, is if you leave a review and a rating on iTunes. The ultimate, even the, if you don't, the tastemaker of the twenty first century. Exactly. Even if you don't subscribe on iTunes, just go to iTunes, set up an account on iTunes, and uh, rate and review the show. Until we will be talking about uh, bringing you the Disco King, because I cannot think of any way to segue right from this one to that. Um, my name is Thomas. Hi, my name is Travis. And I'm a little break. Have a brilliant adventure.